Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever you happen to be listening to the Rated LGBT Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rob Watson, and again, we're bringing you a very exciting conversation um, in this time of COVID-19 shelter in place in a world that is a little bit topsy-turvy. Um, today, we are deviating a little bit from some of our usual political um, equality rights chit-chat. Uh, we have a really exciting group. On with us, Iggy T and the Crazy Makers, um, and uh, they have an exciting new LP that will be coming out this summer, and we're going to talk about that. Um, among other things on this LP, and there are quite a few wonderful songs, which we're, we're all going to discuss, there's one in particular that is kind of being highlighted, or at least being highlighted in terms of Pride season. It is a song called Cake, and it is um, pretty much the newest bi anthem on the scene, an anthem for the B in LGBTQ, um, and it is, it's a really wonderful song. We actually have it, so we're going to play a little bit for you before the end of the show, um, but uh, this, this is... Really wonderful stuff. Um, the group Iggy T and the Crazy Makers have had an EP out and a couple of singles over the past few years, but now this is kind of, I think, their big project, um, and it is definitely something you're going to want to get your hands and ears onto um, as soon as it becomes available. Um, before we bring them on, I do want to welcome to the show my esteemed journalist colleague Brody Lebeck. Brody, welcome. Good afternoon, Rob, and good evening, good morning, good afternoon to rated LGBT listeners across the globe. Um, a couple of things before we start in uh, with the band I, I want to point out, and, and quite frankly, I am super annoyed right now, Rob, super annoyed. Um, RuPaul, what, uh, Brody, a, Brody, what in the world yeah. could be annoying you in this world? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, even with, uh, yeah, yeah, let's take a number. Um, so okay. RuPaul, legendary drag queen RuPaul did a very special appearance on a very special premiere episode in primetime of The Price is Right uh, with Drew Carey on Monday night. And uh, although Ru didn't play, uh, he did help all the contestants out. And surprisingly enough, uh, all six of the contestants won their respective games. Um, the total prize money added up to about almost $100,000, which the production company and CBS maxed uh, the winning amounts and donated that to um, the charity that RuPaul had picked out, which is Planned Parenthood. So I thought that was really cool. I watched a bit of the show. It was kind of neat. Um, what was it, Nate? It's what happened afterwards yesterday and part of today. And that was all the haters who decided that they were no longer fans of the show because, you know, now we're raising money for baby killers and people that abort yeah. uh, babies. And then, of course, the, you know, obligatory, you know, why would you want, you know, the faggot, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I just got annoyed with that. I, it's, you know, on top of all of the things that we're doing uh, in this COVID-19 pandemic and all the cluelessness, some of the racism and the nonsense that we have seen uh, today, for example, at the Michigan State Capitol, once again, the homosexuals carrying their big weapons, okay, to make up for their lack of genitalia are out there hanging little nooses that are supposed to be Governor Whitmer and, of course, protesting this and that. And, all, you know, I'm just I'm at kind of the over it point. And then what really set me off after the RuPaul thing was um, Orlando Weekly uh, uh, 
and, and as a matter of fact, I believe uh, that a friend of our show, uh, Sarah Grossman, who is one of the executive officers of the Drew Project, uh, which is a project that's Orlando-based uh, for LGBTQ youth. It was named after one of the Pulse victims, uh, who was good friends with Sarah. And at mm-hmm. the LGBT Center in Orlando, they have this really beautiful Pulse Memorial. And it's really cool. Um, I've actually seen it in person. Uh, Orlando Strong, purple, wings with a circle in the pride flag colors. And some genius decided to plaster white supremacist and neo-Nazi stickers all over it. Um, you know, and that was in Orlando Weekly today. So, and this is, I'm going through my newsfeed just before we go on the show. And I see these two things and I'm like, you know, normally when you and I start the show, I tell you about the news and we have a little discussion. Not today. Today is Brother's Day to say, no, I've had enough. Okay. I seriously am going to find whatever little bits and pieces of money I can get, I can raise. And I'm going to buy stock in a T-shirt company, and I'm going to get a whole bunch of T-shirts made up with Charles Darwin's picture on it that I can hand out to people who are like-minded as we look at all these clueless protesters and haters, okay? (laughs) And let's just hope that Darwin's theory takes effect because you know what, Rob? I'm over them. Anyway, I'll throw it back (laughs) to you now that I've ranted. Okay, great. Well, I'm obviously going to manage the cheerful part of our show. Um, so thank you, Brody. Thank you so much for that. Well, um, tell you what, before we bring our um, guests on, why don't we let the audience hear a sample of their work? Um, I, wanna, I don't want to play the whole song because I don't want this to be stealable by anybody who has some sort of technology. But I do want to play um, a, a good portion of the song because it is – the um, by anthem that will be coming off of their new LP, but then you can get a feel for what they sound like, which I love. So uh, this is Cake by uh, Iggy T and the Crazy Makers. about it and we're going to talk about it with our uh, guest uh, David Franz and lead singer Sarah Todd welcome to the fo- the show folks thank you hey, thank you uh, that 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 was awesome I love your music I am like so thrilled that you guys are putting this out I love the whole album um, very very exciting stuff Um uh, your your music is uh, in the write up. It, it says you're influenced by the Black Keys, Alabama Shakes, Adele, Al Green, Etta James, Stevie Wonder. All I know is it is just really upbeat, fun, you know, impactful, wonderful material, and um, I'm very thrilled for you. Um, tell us what what uh, what brought you guys to this point. Well, Rob, can we hire you as our publicist first? That was amazing. 
it's easy to publicize to to be a publicist for for something that is so exciting and wonderful. So you, know, you guys I are mean, great. Wow. So how long how long how how long has how long has Iggy T um, and the Crazy Makers been uh, doing your music? Wow. Uh, well, it kind of sound, I think it started the day that Sarah and I met because um, we met making music. And we actually met each other in the dark and just hurt each other first before we actually saw each other. And uh, it, it kind of snowballed from there where we just knew. I was like, who is that singer? I got to work with her. And I think she felt the same. Um, so it's uh, from day one. Yeah, you know, so several years ago. I heard David playing the electric guitar and everyone else was uh, playing acoustic and that's pretty indicative of, of who David is anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, from that point forward, we really kind of realized that we had a very similar taste in music and that's so rare to find someone that, you know, you can share all your favorite new jams with and there's never a moment that's cringy and you have to sit through a song that you don't like. That just doesn't happen between us. And uh, I, started playing a lot of my favorite old soul music. That's the kind of music that I could listen to every day and never get tired of it. Um, I love the heart and soul behind it. Uh, there's something so emotive and something so true and authentic about that type of music. And he shared with me some of his favorite rock and blues, and and we started ideating about what it would look like and sound like to blend those those elements and present it with a a contemporary pop production and this is what happened. <laughs> it's been in the works for yeah, about no, four years. <laughs> I, no, the thing I love about it is because I, I'm pretty eclectic in my taste in music and your, your music has kind of a, a rock and jazz and blues and fusion. I mean, it's like, it's so multi-layered and Sarah, your voice is just, I mean, it's, it's like that velvety, rough wonderfulness. And, I mean, you just want to oh, turn it all up super loud and, you know, drive around and, you know, um, you know, get fresh air. And, I mean, it's, it's just so um, impactful. And, and, I mean, it's impactful also on the lyrical side. Um, who, do, you, do you guys write all your own lyrics for all the songs? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying all that. Primarily, I'm the lyricist, um, but David is also, he's kind of like that, uh, what do they call it, a pinch hitter? When, you know, there's like a something that needs needs one word, he's the kind of guy who can walk through the room and hear, hear me working <laughs> something out and be like, what, try, uh, try this. And it's like, oh, that's the missing word, thanks. So uh, that's primarily, the word. I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the top line, as they call it, the lyrics and the melody, and... Um, David will do the the instrumentation and the arrangement and the production, but we both dabble on either side super fluidly. So any number of tracks on the album, it's just truly a 50-50 kind of representation because we we lived so closely together that we were able to be present in the same room for nearly the entirety of the process from conception to production. That, no, that's amazing. So speaking of the word, uh, one of the words on the album is cake. And this is, a, um, from what I understand, it's a very personal song for you because it's actually a coming out song. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I, Not I don't to put you I on the spot. <laughs> no, I, I don't know that I would call it a coming out song. I, I would say that every single song on the album is very personal to me. Um, and this is, this is personal to me by way of sexuality. There's a few things that inspire me to sit down and write. And I take it quite seriously when somebody hands me a microphone, if I have a platform to speak from, I'd like to speak for as many people as I possibly can in, in a way that can hopefully cultivate a sense of connection and authenticity and, and living and letting live. Yeah, it well, it's it's an intriguing song because um, uh, obviously bisexuality is it's it's part of the whole acronym that has has 
not issues, but has challenges that the other parts don't. Uh, one mm-hmm. is that that for many, first of all, many bisexual people feel either erased or invisible um, in the spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. And part of it is because of the public presentation. I mean, it's, we are, we often identify with a category like I am, I would identify as a gay man. Um, but when I get into a relationship, my relationship looks like a gay man because it's with another man and it is a, it is in itself a gay relationship. What happens mm-hmm. with a lot of bisexual people is they're with somebody of a gender, obviously. And then they look like the relationship looks like either a heterosexual one or, or, you know, opposite couple, opposite gender one or same sex couple one. And people don't stop to think that somebody in there might be bisexual. Can can you tell us how that has impacted you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You, you're correct. And, something interesting happens from the inside of that relationship as well. And this is not to say that this is across the board because this is a very nuanced thing. And I think that's why all of these new labels are popping up like bisexual, hetero, romantic, and all of these things. There's, there's, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of, of labels, but inside the relationship um, as a bisexual woman, when I'm in a relation, in a heterosexual relationship, heteroromantic relationship, there's often a, a concern about my attraction to the same sex. Um, and then when I'm in a relationship with same sex, with a woman, there's a bit of a, a fear of, of being one of those awful things that I can't stand by, curious, gay till graduation, whatever people say, um, that it's like, you're not, you're not gay enough to be gay, but you're not, or you're not lesbian enough to be lesbian, but you're not straight enough to be straight. And so there's this predicament of the bisexual in that position that can, in my experience, that can feel very isolating. And, uh, it feels like this song is an opportunity for me to just kind of say, uh, in that in that playful way, in like a tongue-in-cheek way of saying, why do we have to choose as humans if we zoom way out? Why do we have to choose? And I know that this is the 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 podcast and the radio show and the people who are who are in the tribe who say, yeah, exactly, I totally agree. But I, I wouldn't say that I've always felt that from the masses. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think I think it is difficult because we we all view sexuality from our own purview and um you know it you bisexuals are kind of in that spot that i mean there there's been a, you know a craft saying that you know bisexuality is you know like on you know a way station on the way to homosexuality i mean that was sort of yeah. the old viewpoint of it but it is a place that as other people are trying to figure themselves out sort of deviate into like, I know when I came out, you know, as I was trying to figure myself out and I had affection towards women, but I determined after some deep soul searching that the, you know, the sexual intimacy um, uh, uh, proclivity was not there. But at the time I would have said, well, you know, maybe I'm bisexual because I'm feeling these things for different people. And, you know, and I, I think that because a lot of people go through that kind of mental process that when somebody goes, Oh, this is me right here in the middle, you know, that I do have, you know, this, that people don't trust it because their own experience, it wasn't where they stopped. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. I fall in love with humans. I fall in love with their spirit, their humor, their brain, their heart. Um, that connection doesn't, I don't see gender playing into that for me. So that can be confronting to certain people. And in my own deep inner work, I, I had to kind of come to terms with the fact that those, the pushback that I would receive from any one person actually had nothing to do with me, but that was their own insecurities. And, um, and I can have compassion for that completely. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. Plus, the if you look at the Kinsey bell curve of sexuality, um, if, if, if that theory is right, and I have every reason to believe that it is, is that the scale of humanity, the vast majority are really going to fall somewhere on the bisexual scale. I mean, it's, Wouldn't that be it awesome is, for everyone to admit? Yeah, really. I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it just, you know, it's like when, when people get into situations where stigma is removed and they're allowed the freedom, that's what they tend to do is go explore that side of themselves. So, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, it doesn't mean that that has to be their main thing, but, you know, it's like just to have the freedom to go, yeah, that, that'd be cool. Or, you know, that that could be part of it. And especially to get people who, you know, like you said, and I love how you described it, where just, you know, having the freedom to just fall in love with, you know, a human that is the right human for you and not worry about those other features. I, I think that's, that's, that, that should definitely be supported and celebrated. Absolutely. And yeah. I would like to lift up any, any person's version of that sexuality. I was reading something from Melissa Fabello and there was a whole thread that she had on Twitter about these new terms of bi bisexual hetero romanticism and the the heated debate that followed was just really appalling from just I, I'm shocked at how people inside the LGBTQ community can qualify or judge a person's version of sexuality. When it to me, I'm like, aren't we all in this together? Aren't we all in here for the same for the same reason? Like to lift one another up and to validate one another, and in whatever that looks like and feels like, that's best to us as individuals. Yeah, I think it. I think it's again. I think it has to do with scars that have happened along the way, um, because I know. Again, I'm just talking from my own experience, but one of the things when I did come out. And I came out in a family that was very against me being who I am. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, um, they were pushing for me to be bisexual. And, and if there was any bisexuality in me, to just be that and to shut down the rest. I mean, so there's this, I think there's a, this, it's an unfair part of our experience to then throw up against somebody else's life. Um, because it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with right. what what our our experience and stigma was. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, the 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 point is, this song is really refreshing, really um, upbeat, uplifting, and embracing. And you guys are doing some pretty extraordinary stuff with it. Um, you know, in the light of um, this Pride season probably being a an online experience, you're um, putting out special offers to uh, different pride organizations. Can you tell us about what that's about? David, do you want to, do you want to speak to that? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think we're, um, we're working to kind of <laughs> enable a lot of people to make remixes of the song so that we can bring, you know, we have our, our sound. Um, but I know personally myself and a bunch of other, my DJ friends are also trying to work on some, um, various remixes to kind of bring it to, you know, if, if maybe this style isn't your exact cup of tea, then maybe we can, uh, you know, try it in, in, uh, an upbeat dance thing or a, a low key trap thing, or, you know, um, it just to be able to bring, you know, in the spirit of, you know, inclusivity of, of bringing musical genres into that as well. And, um, so we're, we've got the stems out and if anybody's listening to this and wants to do a remix, please hit us up. We'll send you the tracks. Yeah. And so many, since there are so many pride festivals that because of COVID have moved to virtual pride festivals, um, I've I've been in the music licensing and synchronization industry for some time now, so um, I know that in a pinch it can be it can be really difficult to get music to license for all of those 
things that are now turning digital that they'll need music for. So um, we've gone ahead and offered for any of the virtual pride festivals to provide a gratis license for, for our song if they need something to support their virtual festivals and their, their marketing campaigns to get people on board so that they know where to go and when. I think that's fantastic. And I, I, I actually can't wait to hear the different versions. I'm, I'm definitely into that when um, artists come out with their remixed this and that. I love comparing and contrasting. Um, you guys are holding a contest for remixers. What, what, are, what are the terms of that, and how does somebody get involved with that? I think David knows well, more about that. <laughs> we're, we're working on that right now. We're actually, uh, I, I actually I wish I could share all the details, um, but I can uh, you know, maybe provide a link for you later um, as we're still working out the terms. Um, but basically the idea is that um, – we have the stems available and we're pretty much happy to give them to almost anybody um, who's, you know, willing and wanting to work on the song because we are inspired by so many different musical styles and other artists that um, can take the pieces here and just make all kinds of different crazy versions. I mean, I've done a few remixes in the past or remix contests in the past and, it's so surprising and amazing to hear, you know, various people's just take on music and how they can twist in such a creative way what you thought was one thing. It becomes this completely different other thing that's also amazingly beautiful. Um, so it's, you know. No, that, that, that's true. Ahead. It's that yeah. collaborative art that is just, is, it can be astounding and exciting and um you know, I've, I've always loved that, um, especially putting music in different um, venues where, you know, it's stomping dance music or, you know, ballad-like, you know, contemplative music and, you know, having the same theme, you know, based between both of those. It can be a really awesome experience. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about some of the other um, uh, songs in your, your, your portfolio. Um, because it, sure. uh, we highlighted Cake as being this great, um, you know, by anthem. Um, I found a couple of the other songs on the the uh, the forthcoming LP to be almost, to me, equally empowering for for some other groups. Um, like you have a song called um, uh, "I Don't Know Your Pain," and. I found that song super inspiring, especially from the eyes of an ally and that mm-hmm. either from an ally to the, uh, like a straight ally to the LGBT world, um, particularly a, a woman ally to the LGBT world or from mm-hmm. a, you know, a cisgender white person to the person of color world. Mm-hmm. But it was just such a, a great forthright song standing up and saying, first of all, I can't say I know how you feel because I don't. I just know mm-hmm. that you're in pain, but I am saying I'm lending my voice to stand up for you. Um, what, can you tell me what the impetus was behind creating that song? Absolutely, and thank you for seeing that. I feel so, I feel, uh, I feel so good to hear that mirrored back because that was the intention um, there was no, there was, there was not one group of people that was focused on. I mean, you'll hear, uh, you'll hear all of those pieces throughout the song, whether it's uh, women, women choosing, being able to choose what they do with their bodies, whether it's um, social justice issues, equality, all of those things. And um, it, it was written originally during the time when children were being kept in cages at the borders away from their mm-hmm. mothers and their fathers. And um, this was in the big, this was, you know, this, I can't even believe how far away that feels now and how it feels like as a, as a country, we've become numb to so many terrifyingly painful events for so many different groups of people. Um, but it just kind of, that was, that was the thing that really set me over the edge um, because it's just not how I saw our country 
And it just brought a whole heap of emotions around all of the marginalized groups that are around me and knowing that I, that I've, I haven't been handed life on a silver platter, but I certainly don't know the pain of so many people who Mm -hmm. have been affected, particularly by this presidency of Trump and, um, and his policies or lack thereof. And, uh, it's, it's heavy. It's very heavy. And it was meant to be something that touched to the core of the listener. And we intentionally brought on a really diverse group of people to help with the song. There's not just the only song on the record that has a co-writer, actually. Um, Danny McGaw helped with the, one of the verses on that track, or was it one of the bridges? Um, and I actually had a dream about it. I, I wrote down the lyric, I don't know your pain, but I wish that I could take it away. And then that night I went to bed and I woke up with a beat and I recorded it into my phone. And that day, oh my gosh, that day, that day was the Super Bowl. We had people over to watch the game and that was when it started. Naturally, nobody was watching the game and we started jamming and, uh, and it was so random because the people who were jamming, started playing the beat that I had in my head that morning from my dream. So that song literally came from a dream and I stopped everything. And I was like, I know this song. <laughs> I know this song. I know. Oh. So I put, I plugged the mic in and, and started singing the line that I had recorded into my phone that morning. And that's where that song was born. Uh, I just so and pointed it, and, and, you know, guys, sorry. Uh, Danny McGaw, the person who contributed to that. Thank you, Danny, by the way. Danny is um, is an expat, and there were a couple of people who, who played music with us regularly who are expats, and this whole immigration thing was just, in, you know, in, in the forefront of people's minds, and everybody kind of, the emotion in the room at that moment really translates, I think, into the final product, and everybody that we brought in to assist with the strings on that track um, those folks were from a Jewish synagogue in Atlanta. Um, the backing vocalists were also from Atlanta. Um, we brought in as many pe- that's the song that has as many people as we could find. And um, we intended for it to be an epic, epic outro to the song or to the album. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I think it's phenomenal. And um, I related to it as an ally to other marginalized groups, but I could also hear it as being respectful or, or, or appreciating that if it came from somebody standing up for the LGBTQ community um, on our behalf. So it, I, I just thought the, the, the levels of that song were, were just awesome. Um, another song, um, and I think it was one that you released previously under the, just the name Power, but on your new album, it's called I'll Take My Power Back. Um, this, this was another song that I thought had so many nuances to it. Um, and the way I took it as, first of all, um, that coming from that place when you've been beaten or been repressed and starting to stand up and, you know, kind of a, you're, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it any more moment um, mm-hmm. and standing up and, and taking the pride back. But, uh, but I guess part of me took this very strongly as sort of like the new wave of the Me Too movement. I mean, mm-hmm. can you tell us about that song, where, where that came from? Absolutely. The previous version, you're good too, by the way. You're good. You, you did your homework. Um, the previous <laughs> I like you guys. The, it's real. <laughs> hey, I like you too. Um, the previous version of the song was called Power, and it actually had different verses. And it was originally written um, as a female empowerment song. And I, I started writing it after I was working for this this man. Um, I was doing some consulting work for this man, and and one day out of the blue and I just couldn't get any, any good feedback out of him. I kept saying like, how's this going? What can I do here? He just called me and fired me. 
and I was devastated and I just started sobbing. I called a friend. I hung up the phone and the moment that I hung up the phone, I said, what the fuck am I doing? Oh, sorry. I'm probably not supposed to swear. Um, no, you can I, you can say that on our podcast. We we are oh, great. we are a, a fuck friendly zone. <laughs> great. Well, then fuck. Um, I said, "What the fuck am I doing? I am not going to give my power to that asshole who has no business being a business owner." I felt so shitty that I had that I had even let myself feel so depleted and deflated by him, and that's when when the song came out and it actually also originated from, I've done a whole bunch of work um, around the topic of codependency. And the first song said, I like it when, or I, I you want me. I like, I love it when you try, but you've forgotten about me lately and I don't know why. And that was the first verse of that previous version. And I thought, great. That's a bit self-centered though. That's a bit like, okay, I'll take my power back. But on the new album, we worked with a producer uh, with this song, particularly in Atlanta named Will Robertson. And he goes, can I just tell you my, my, my super honest opinion? And I said, please always. And he goes, that first verse of that song, like he's like, this song has the potential to be a fucking anthem. And I know your intention behind it mm-hmm. was about women's empowerment. And that first verse feels wab- rather meek. And he's like, I, I actually think that you're stronger than that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring everyone with me. So I took the perspective of, how can I how can I loop this all in like we we can do this together and David and I both actually collaborated on the the update of those verse lyrics and we did it from the from the road in uh, Atlanta Georgia at Gallup Studios with Will Robertson and was you know just finished the lyrics and got right on the mic and it kind of translated um, we kept we I think I only. I think I only ran through it a couple of times and it just translated into such a better feeling song for me. And it almost represents to me, which I'm just realizing in this moment as a bit of that evolution of, okay, I took my power back and that was about me. And now it's about how can I bring other people with me and how can I empower the people around me to rise to the top? I I think that translates super well when you hear the, the new version of the song, because it, what I heard from that was not, the me too movement of, of, Oh, you know, you know, we've been dealing with this nonsense forever. Um, you know, and it's time for it to stop. And, you know, and, you know, here's how we've been victimized, but taking it the next step further going, you know, I'm taking my power back now. Like we're done with that. Yeah. No more victimization. I'm right. powerful. I'm stepping out, you know, and I'm, you know, that's not going to happen again. And we see, that's playing out. For example, right now there are more women running for Congress than ever in history, you know, and it's like, it's, it's so in many ways, I take that song as, as almost defining of the next wave of strength that is hopefully happening and will, will, um, you know, snowball into something society changing, you know, world changing um, from from what we've experienced. 100%. 100%. Um, wanna, I, I, I sure hope so. Yeah. There's also um, a, a fun, like, uh, I was just going to say, there's also ahead, a fun, yeah. like, sass to it, um, which I really enjoy because it's like, I'll take my power back, please. But the please is, yeah. like, kind of a joke. It's like, I'm taking it back. I'm I'm saying please, but I don't mean please, you know? <laughs> But right. it's just kind of sad. I mean, and I, you're I going like to that, do it. how that energy <laughs> yeah. adds in. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and <clears throat> another another song that I, I find extremely pertinent in today's world is the song Fire, which, again, was one that you guys released, um, I think, last year or the year before, but is in, on your new album. And it speaks to a lot of what we have going now on now, but the disparity between the wealth and, and power and, you know, that, that divide that keeps happening um, or is continuing to happen in our country. Um, can you tell us about that and where that one came from? Sure. Or did I get it wrong? Did I misinterpret no, you, it? Completely? No, <laughs> no, I was, I was, no, you got it. I was, I was giving, I was, I was giving a little gap seeing if maybe David wanted to speak to it. 
Um, but did, did you well, want to speak I'll, to it, David? Please, please take your your stab there, and then I'll chime in. Um, I'm actually going to pull up the lyrics because it's been a while since I've seen that one. So, um, definitely intended to. Here we go. It was definitely intended to be a politically driven track, and um, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, so this was when, um, like, when the weak get forgotten, forgotten by the the strong. Oh, I remember the, what really inspired this one. When the power drowns out the news, this was when mm-hmm. this was this was when. Uh, when Trump was really blasting, well, he hasn't really stopped blasting the media, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's continued. At least he's consistent. Um, but it, it was meant to be a coming together because I remember feeling in a place of, of just exhaustion about all of this. And I can't even believe that this was so long ago. I keep saying that, but my God, we've been really in this place for the, for the empaths and the social justice and the, equality folks in the world and the environmentalists and just the, the, the tribe that I hang with typically. And um, I don't say that to limit, um, limit my, my respect and relationship with, with people who can have really respectful debates, but man, they can be so exhausting. And the call to don't let your soul get sold. Don't let your fire grow cold. It was an, an intention to bring us all together in this and to say, I feel it too. Um, to say there's something wrong with this. This doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel sustainable. It doesn't feel productive. Um, and and that's where that's what came out of it. To just try and inspire yeah. people to to stay strong. Don't let your soul get sold by all this shit. Don't believe that. That's not true. And the fake news aspect of it. Oh God, like. This is a this is still very much a, an issue, and I think it's just going to continue to be an issue. And you guys probably talk a lot, a lot about that on your podcast, typically. But oh my god, I'll interject. We really here. need to be. It, it, yeah, it is. It is something that comes up frequently in discussion. But I think that the most important thing, um, at least speaking as a member of the media, um, you know, we we can. We can say whatever we'd like, but you're expressing, I think, a sense of fatigue uh, that a great deal of people really have at this point because it becomes a little bit of a horrific pylon. Um, I just wanted to interject a couple of things, and I'll kind of pass it back to Rob. Um, in, in many ways, your style and your lyrics to me, uh, Sarah in particular, um, Remind me of my fellow Canadian uh, Joni Mitchell, uh, who I oh have, my gosh, stop I, it! <laughs> I, have a, I have a deep my hero. <laughs> well, I, I have a I have a I have a deep amount of respect for Joni. I've met her several times. She's she's super neat, um, and, and just in a lot of ways, as I've been sitting here very quietly listening to you. Um, and, and listening to Rob's analysis of some of your work, it, it kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, this sounds a lot like, you know, like Joni. So, David, I don't know whether or not you play off of that as, you know, her, you know, your version of James Taylor to her Joni Mitchell. But if you do. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, and one last thing, and then I'll throw it back at Rob. Um, I have a musician that uh, who's a who's a actual good friend of Robin and mine both. Uh, he's a Nashville musician. He's a studio musician. His name is uh, Brody Ray Runch. He's uh, performed at countless prides uh, all over the United States. As a matter of fact, Rob had him as a guest uh, at Santa <laughs> Cruz Pride. Uh, but uh, Brody is a very fine studio musician uh, and works in Nashville. And I know that he'd probably be more than happy. Uh, to take uh, a crack at this song. And so uh, off air, I'll, I'll make the necessary introductions. But that thought had occurred to me when you guys were talking about it. Uh, but but I'll, I'll quietly sit back on the sidelines here. But, yeah, you remind me a lot of my fellow Canadian, Johnny Mitchell. Seriously, Rob? Oh, yeah, I, I think that's a fair comparison just because of the, the, the thought-provoking lyrics and um, 
Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, and there's, there's some riffs in, in a lot of your songs that I can definitely, cause you, again, you guys covered so much of, uh, different genre kind of, um, infusions, but there is a Joni Mitchell wave that, that comes through occasionally. Um, I wanted to ask about two songs that, um, you guys had in the past that I thought both of these were really, really beautiful, but they are not part of the collection that you're about to release. Um, one was Unchained Melody, um, which was just gorgeous. And then another one was a single you released that I thought was really fascinating. Um, uh, Mama Tried Her Best. And I so see that as almost like a, a um, an homage to maybe the women of the baby boomer generation that were living a life out under, under roles that they were forced into trying to do their best from, Mm -hmm. from the viewpoint of a younger woman looking back going, there's more. Mm -hmm. Can we also just acknowledge Brody that you just decided to throw my hero at me in a comparative way and I'm still (laughs) hyperventilating. (laughs) <laughs> I'm still yeah. I'm having, I think I can die now just fine. I think I'm done. We're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Um, and the funny thing too that I'll recall that to respond to you too is that when David and I first met, I said to him, "I'm looking for the James Taylor to my Joni Mitchell," and he said, "I could do that." Oh, wow. and, um, not, it was literally one of our first conversations about music and I grew up on James Taylor and Joni Mitchell and uh, my unborn child if I have one uh, will be named Joni so you nailed it just saying um, <laughs> so uh, Unchained Melody I'll let David speak to that because um, that's a really special opportunity that we got to cover that incredible classic and the ability to turn it on its head a little bit, but I can definitely speak to Mama Tried Her Best. Um, My mom died when I was 17 from alcoholism, and uh, Mm -hmm. she was an incredible woman who was struggling immensely with life, and for a very long time, I took that as a personal affront um, that I often I often told myself the story that she chose alcohol over me, and mm. that that was a, a huge a huge hurdle for me to get over in terms of finding compassion and creating the understanding that I now have of people who suffer from addiction and um, the struggle in general that that song turned out to be, which was the the pressure of of a mom. And I am not a mom but I have been told by many of the people that I'm close with who are moms that I have some sort of empathy toward moms that seems a little bit atypical, Um, but it's probably because of the work I've had to do to forgive my mom and Mm -hmm. to see her as the human that she is or was. And uh, it was an incredibly therapeutic song to write. And actually in recording that song, I got my sister we got my sister to come out and sing backing vocals on the song. And it was a special moment of, of healing for the two of us. And um, so, yeah, the, the sisters got back together, recorded the song and um, you know, there were tears, there were laughs. Of course we fought a little bit over it. And, um, and I had her bring the, the VHS tapes from our childhood out to California and uh, we digitalized them and I took my, my first stab at making a music video, and um, we filmed it in Ojai. And David was on camera on the ground. Our bass player, Scott Paget, he has, he's got a bit of a drone, nerd drone obsession. So he was on drone, and it was springtime. Beautiful, beautiful eyeball height, yellow flowers. It was a perfect Ojai day. And, um oh. You guys can watch that music video on YouTube. It's just under Iggy T and the Crazy Makers. Mama tried her best. I just shared it recently for Mother's Day. I always share it on Mother's Day because it's so special to me, and I appreciate you calling that out. No, that's, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I can't wait to see the video. That, that's awesome. 
that <laughs> when we were first writing that song, I mean, it was soon after I had lost my mother to cancer. And so I remember working with Sarah and sitting there and I hit some chords for the bridge and I just started crying. <laughs> I was like, Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. Oh God. We just found the bridge and this is going to, I'm every time I play this now, I'm just going to ball. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I remember it, that it moment. Goes deep, we started crying. We just yeah. wept and wept, and um, and it was yeah. like the first because uh, we were just crying in general, you know. And I looked up, and I was like, "What would I say to my mom if she were here right now?" And I said that in my head, and the thing that came out was, "You were worth it, Mama." Mm. And that was what the bridge turned into. And I thought, "Well, what was worth it? Your laugh was worth it. Your love, your light." Because despite the fact that she was drunk 99% of the time, she was, she, most of the time she was a pretty funny, funny drunk. And she yeah. laughed and cared about us and taught us, taught us about how to have fun. And, and um, she was the most non-judgmental person. I know that, uh, I know that she'd be super, super happy. And, as, and same for, same for David's mom. I know she'd be super, super happy to see this body of work being presented to the world and shared yeah well it's a super beautiful song and obviously from the background of it i, I actually love hearing what what is behind these because it, it it you know when you listen as a listener to them that there there is depth to them um and obviously part of the art is that you get to go apply it to whatever you happen to be thinking about and you happen to be feeling but it starts from a heart and a, you know, sometimes a pain and a healing um, from you guys, from your, your artistic um, core. Um, I know one song that you have on there that I'm going to go out on a limb and think that my interpretation of it probably is not what you guys originally thought of when you created the song, but I'm going to go with mine anyway. Um, it's a song that is called, I thought I knew. And in this song, it's about somebody looking at somebody they they had put trust in, and then that that all crumbled. And mm-hmm. I can totally see this as a music video of a disgruntled Trump supporter looking at him <laughs> when they voted him in, thinking thinking you know he was gonna you know you know break the system and free them from everything they hated about the government. And then you know we've seen the results. So <laughs> I found personal <laughs> personal solace in my own interpretation of that. <laughs> nice. Oh, I, love like that. To, I love it. <laughs> if you'd like to um, get head the team on getting that, that video produced where I support you. Um, it's, it's funny. That song's actually a, um, a, a song to, that I wrote to myself. Because I felt it. Well, you're I not Trump. You're not, you're my, <laughs> no, and I, I, I would venture to say I've never been Trump and I never will be. And if, if I even start getting anywhere near that, I'm hoping that all three of you will just lock me up and tell me what, what's wrong. Um, but I, I wrote that to myself in, in a moment of a big transition and saying, uh, I thought that I I knew you, but I was wrong, and uh, I've been betraying myself in a sense, not intentionally, but in a moment of self-reclamation and self-empowerment and really being deliberate with choosing how I spend my time and energy and where I place my heart and where I set my belief systems such that I can become the truest version of myself and the highest version of myself and, and touch as many people as I can energetically, emotionally, spiritually um, with my art and with my soul and with my life's purpose to really truly define that and, and pursue it in a place that feels empowered and pure. Well, from my perspective, that is exactly what you are doing. So thank you for, for this beautiful gift both of you are giving us, um, those of us who listen to it, and especially the um, aspect that you're um, integrating into the pride experience this year. I think it's 
completely awesome. Um, how can people, when the album comes out, how will they find it? How can they get it? How can they listen to it? Um, they need this in their lives. How how do they do oh. Well, you can go to our website at IggyTandTheCrazyMakers.com. Um, we'll have vinyl for sale and merchandise for sale on there. You can find us on all the socials and all the streaming platforms. We'll have our music as well. And um, I'm not sure, David, is the Underground Sun? What's the plan with that? Oh, for sure. It'll be on Underground Sun, the record label, uh, undergroundsun.com, S-U-N. Be for sale there as well. And then all of our YouTube, videos are up on the Underground Sun YouTube page. So oh, wonderful. And we'll be putting out and, some and more what, music what, videos what, coming soon. What what are the dates that all this is available? Are they available currently or they're coming out in the next month or so? June fifth. June fifth. So just a few weeks. Yep. Great. And, and <laughs> we have some fun quarantine and, music videos. <laughs> coming yeah <laughs> i was i was trying to find a way to work that in it's sort of like the 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 release of shelter in place and uh you know you get more you get a musical entourage you know to to free our doors as we walk out into the world again um you guys have been wonderful um we've only got a few minutes left what haven't we asked that we should have asked um that's a good question Wow. Hmm. Do you always ask people that? That's a good one. Actually, I do. <laughs> I do. I ask yeah, is that your time. thing? I'm like, is that sounds like a thing. <laughs> um, <sighs> Does everybody take this long to come up with something? <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. Because hopefully, if I've done my job right, the answer is is we we got it all out there. But um, Gosh, I feel like we got it all anything. out there. That that that's um, excellent. And you guys are are phenomenal. I I just love what you're doing. Um, and uh, I just can't wait to see more from you and hear more from you. Thank you. Well, I would Thank say the you feeling so is much. mutual. Yeah, the feeling is mutual. We really appreciate being on your show and have been so uh, pleasantly engaged uh, with both of you. Um, thank you so much for having us. We, we we support and love everything. The spirit of what you're doing and the artistry of it is so well well done and right from the heart. And um, I think people will, will just completely embrace this. Brody, any final word from you? I, I just think that, uh, you know, Joni and James here, no, seriously, I, I, I do like, <laughs> I do like what they do. I think it's incredible. It's positive. Um, and, you know, I also appreciate the fact that in a collaborative spirit, you know, in this space, we're talking about something that's very, very key and dear to, you know, the community as a whole. And that is the fluidity and the nature of people isn't just set. And with that, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you to our listeners. Um, we'll be back here again next Thursday. Um, I want to thank our, our guest, Darren David, and um, that is uh, TGT and the Crazy Makers. Check them out. Yeah. <laughs> also listen to our show out in Santa Cruz on Saturday night on www.ksco.com, live show, 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. For Brody and myself, we are Rated LGBT Radio, and we will be back here again next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.